1: got fizzle in the house fizzle what's good man fizzle glad to have you here let's go this the south Homin podcast glad you're here today
0: hit that patreon link if you're here to stay dynasty best ball that's my favorite way 40 chess trade show let's make a trade today or check the ama you know adam at the atm mike always in the building he gonna stay with him they gon' start every show off with their own trade Fantasy's
1: a big ocean, they made their own wave. Make sure you tapping in Tuesdays and Saturdays. Tuesday night, like Saturday morning, ain't no better way. on everybody welcome back into another episode of the 4d chess dynasty football podcast man i cannot believe that it is already july midway through july scott Fishbowl is kicked off which basically if you don't know there was a point this year um dynasty degenerates which sleeper coined as the start of the fantasy football season that was mike's you know uh quarterback horde tweet going viral but aside from that, really when the season kicks off is the Scott Fishbowl. And now that that draft is underway, the fantasy football season really is here. I mean, obviously we don't get games till September, but everybody's mind is going to start shifting into a little more of the redraft mindset, right? This The, the dynasty push on the youth. You're running, you're running on fumes on that being the narrative, really, um, in your leagues. It may still be the case, but it's probably on borrowed time. And before you know it, everyone in your league is going to be switching their minds to What's my lineup look like? Who's scoring points? Which of these young guys that I have that was exciting do I not feel as good about going into the year? But Dynasty to as you hear, Mike's not talking right now. You're getting me first, which means he's not here. He's on vacation. So let me bring in a great friend of ours, someone we started with um, when we joined Heisman. He was, he and I, and Mike and I were constantly going back and forth on stuff, and that is Brandon. So Brandon, how you doing, buddy?
0: I'm doing well tonight. Uh thanks for having me on Uh, i'm not mike i won't try to be mike but what i will try to do is give you guys some actionable advice that you can listen to on your way to work
1: love to hear that man uh you know what you know what it is at this point right fridays are 4 -4 4d so um brandon appreciate you hopping on brandon i got i got some questions and some dialogue and some discussion for us set up for today um you and i are in you know at this point, it's tradition. Yet another Dynasty League we're starting off in together. This is the big one. The uh, 36-teamer Heroes versus Villains um, at Destination De- uh, Destination Devi. So, Brandon, I just got a couple questions for you on this on this team and what you're doing and what you're building and what your thoughts are on the league as a whole. Um, to give us context a little bit about what we're doing with our teams, and then I'm going to transition that into some stuff that I think you can really take away and move into, you know, your, your mindset and pushing forward into getting your team ready to go in the start of the year
0: yeah so for those of you who don't know heroes versus villains is a 30, 16 three copy league right so three individual 12 team conferences and then at the end of the season 12 teams are relegated they are sent to a total division a different division where in order to get back into the main league which would be 24 teams, you have to finish in the top three, right? So there's this, we're almost done with the auction startup. And I went, I went right off the rip. I went heavy on the wide receivers and went and picked up Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Ooh, um, I, okay. Yeah. So by doing that, I basically said, I am not taking a top tier quarterback because okay. I won't be able to afford it with a thousand dollar budget. I'm not going to be able to afford both Jefferson and Chase, and try to go get a top four, top five quarterback. Okay. So in order to in order to save a little bit of money, I kind of had to go into like that mid QB2 level. So I have Kirk Cousins to stack with Jefferson. And then I also picked up on like day nine, Jared Goff. In this format, completion percentage is a, is a huge bonus. So getting two guys who are going to be high volume, high completion guys, I felt like would be kind of a, Steady options, you know, instead of going with maybe some risk with like a like a rookie quarterback, like maybe Anthony Richardson or a Bryce Young, or even maybe going a little bit older and kind of in that risky territory and go like maybe Daniel Jones, or even go super ugly and go Russ Wilson, Aaron Rodgers that whole route. Um, yeah, yeah. I do have Jameer Gibbs. I do have Jameer Gibbs on my team um, because there is a bit of a premium for pass catching backs. So I went and got DeAndre Swift and. Jameer Gibbs, so I feel like overall, my team is kind of, it still needs a little bit of work, because Mm -hmm. by by spending up for Gibbs, by getting those two decent level quarterbacks that did have to spend a pretty penny, and then basically paying what would be quarterback two prices for Jefferson and Chase, I've kind of had to round out with a bunch of lawn darts. yeah Guys like Khalif Raymond, guys like Greg Dorch, Kendrick Bourne, Austin Scott, Josh Kelly, Jelani Woods, Dern Smythe, like these are just you're hoping for one or two weeks out of some of those guys, right? Yeah. So it's it's definitely not finalized. It's that you know, we have thirty two man rosters, so there's still a little bit of time to, you know, make some some adjustments here before the season, but the core of the team is Jefferson, Chase, Gibbs for right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh I, it's interesting because um, you know, if you listen to this show you know, we do a lot of best ball and this is a best ball scoring league. Um, and, and you've known if you've listened long enough that we at one point had a very, very big affinity for running backs relative to the market. And, um, typically last year, that was where that was the case. And the reality is, um, in best ball, right? The reason that makes sense is cause you can backfill typically with the receiver room. Um, and you can, you know, go ahead and try to get your running backs early. Now, while that's still true, uh, and shout out to um, Koopa Troopa and um, you know, the warp tool he's put together and there's now MFL integration. Um, so if you haven't checked that out, something to do when it looks to, when I look at warp on this league, Brandon, it's going to be the first time I've kind of talked about it from my perspective of the league. So when I look at a league like this, you you already have with the scoring and the way things are a, a very, very interesting graph on the warp tool. And, uh, I want to try to. You're not going to be able to see this, right? But if you go to the warp tool, you could plug it in for yourself. Um, it's MFL and it's uh, the Heroes versus Villains relegation league. But the the graph, though, Brandon Dynasty Degenerates. What makes it so so interesting about this? One of the very few leagues that I have seen where the line in the apex for quarterback early is not the dominant line early one and then two it doesn't ever really gain and capture an advantage over skill players right so you're looking at really in, in, from warp uh you know anywhere from 1.54 to 1.61 those are the top of the position patrick mahomes christian mccaffrey and justin jefferson and you think about that right they, last year they provided you the same warp same win over replacement player that's crazy. That tells you a lot about what you need to know. That the receiver position is premium here, right? And as you see this graph continue to go down, what you'll what you'll find is that as you get to right about what is this, fifteen, and then definitely by eighteen, the running backs and the wide receivers are past the quarterbacks, and the quarterbacks never recover, right? Interesting because when you talk about normal superflex drafts and in best ball especially. You know, we talk about from the roster construction standpoint, you want to have probably four or five of these quarterbacks. Now, when you see that, I wouldn't necessarily disagree. You do want some of these quarterbacks that can spike. But for me, honestly, seeing how we're in an auction and seeing what the quarterback prices are going for versus what I can get a lot of these receivers for, and then also hammer some of the hammers, uh, which are, you know, Jefferson and Chase. Now, I didn't get Chase. I got Jefferson, but it's interesting. So you have Jefferson and Chase. Scott has Jefferson and Chase, and I have Jefferson in this league. Um, and the reason I'm doing that is I feel like relative to points that are scored for the position, the, the replacement level players, Jefferson offers me just as much as Patrick Mahomes. But in an auction league, he's going to cost me a whole lot less, literally about half. So um, one of the few times that I was like willing to o- o- overspend for that player And it's funny, they were giving me a bunch of shit because I let somebody off the hook when I did it, right? Like, I was so willing to go get Jefferson that I let somebody off the hook um, that would have had... Because for everyone listening, you can only bid... um, You get one player a day you can bid. You have to nominate. You have to nominate by noon. And then after you nominate that player, you can only win two. So there's 12 players on each of these leagues that are being nominated daily. You can only walk away with two. So there was somebody that was going to end up going over that two and put themselves out the next day. If you go over two, you cannot bid the next day. So uh, I, I went against all that just so I could land Jefferson. One of the few times in best ball where when I see that warp chart, Brandon, that I was actually very, very in on getting Jefferson because relative to cost, I think it's just as much of an advantage as typically the top scorers at the quarterback position.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you look at what they what they score or what Jefferson scores in comparison to, you know, quarterback at nine, quarterback 10, quarterback 11, and you look at some of the prices of like the end of day one, like Deshaun Watson, for example, Deshaun Watson went for $225 in, in my conference, right? For $50 less, I could get Justin Jefferson and I can almost get the exact same amount of production. So what I'm not saying is, is that Jefferson is equal to Deshaun Watson in any way, shape, form. But in this league, Justin Jefferson plus whatever I could get for that $50 is going to be worth more in terms of value to my team than Deshaun Watson. I can Or I can wait a little bit longer and go get a QB2 that may be like a Geno Smith. I know Ty DeClaire, he got Geno Smith in our conference for like $90, right? Like sometimes looking at the scoring format in a startup is essential because you can find sometimes those gaps in the value where you can see it in warp and you can see in the chart, like you said it already, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, the BAM tier quarterbacks, those are the ones that you really want to go chase, but then you can, you can probably lay back a little bit and maybe go get that QB 19 QB 20, like a Derek Carr, Matt Stafford, you know, if you really want to get ugly, Baker Field, Ryan Tannehill types, right? You could spend that 50, 60, 70 bucks and backfill your QB2 spot because you have the band tier quarterback and you can save yourself a little bit of money, but you can deepen your
1: team. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. And, um, you know, it, it, it's interesting when I looked at this, there, there's, this league is a, um, you know, and it's, I love doing these yearly, um, you know, the big league, the destination Debbies running like this, the premier league they're putting together. Cause they're starting to get even crazier and crazier. And I love the crazy formats, right? Not that I don't have some vanilla leagues, but I like getting into the weeds in some of the, where is the advantages? How can you take advantage of certain different formats? And this one is about as crazy it gets with 36 teams. Um, but I'll say this, like when you look at it, right. Patrick Mahomes, just as on my tier, um, tier one that I'm in, the Heisman tier, right? It's cut into three tiers. Mahomes went for 314. Allen, Hurts, 300. So 314, 311, 300, those guys. Then it was Joe Burrow, 286. I end up getting Lamar Jackson at 285. Uh, Herbert goes for 271. Lawrence, 251. Watson, 229. A-Rich, 208. Fields, 200. Dak Prescott, 175. And Daniel Jones goes for 170, as does Kyler Murray. Justin Jefferson I get for 170 as well. So just just think about that. I know you can't see the graph right now. But understand that the graph says to you that the quarterbacks wins over replacement at position 5 is 1.05. The quarterbacks when we get to you know top 12 to you know 11 12 they're they're less than one full point in warp. Justin Jefferson last year provide you 1.5 and i'm getting him at the cost of daniel jones kyler murray ranch so that that was the reason seeing all that in warp is why i went with jefferson and the other thing that's crazy too is when you see the warp you can kind of tend to after the fact see how it works and why it's that way like brandon there you get you get literally you get points for targets in this league the fact that targets earn fantasy football points is, a, is an explanation in my mind of why the skill players get a lot closer to the quarterback.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's part of the reason why I went with a running back tandem of guys like Jameer Gibbs and DeAndre Swift. Their sole role within their offense is probably going to be more on the pass down work. Now, to be fair, we don't know how DeAndre Swift in Philadelphia is going to look yet because with Jalen Hurts, the drop back percentage and passing to the the running back has been pretty minuscule. We're mm-hmm. we're kind of hoping that he changes, you know, the mindset with Hertz because he's a better pass catcher than Miles Sanders. So we're hoping that 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 number takes a little bit of a step forward, and then you know. But yeah, I mean, targets are it's insane, man. I mean, one point per target for a running back, you get ninety points on ninety targets. I mean, that's just bananas. Yeah, right. Like we're absolutely. talking like even mid level mid-level running backs in this format that at pass catching work, guy like Antonio Gibson, who Mike absolutely loves is ideal in this format because he's going to see 50, 60 targets. Even if he misses, even if 25 of them are airmail, he still gets a point on them. Right. Like that's like, that's the thing for, for running backs is like, even if they're airmailed or even wide receivers, you know, we talk about Kyle Pitts and Drake London, the Atlanta offense last year and how, you know, Kyle Pitts had all these targets, but, so many of them were over his head. Well, you still get points as a tight end in this format for targets. So, if you you want the volume hogs, so you want the guys like Jefferson, like Diggs, like Adams, like Chase, because those point those free points. You know, even though they might not do anything, those free points add up. Every play literally will count in this league because even at the end in those garbage time moments when we're sitting there watching, you know, a team down twelve with a minute left going down the field trying to score a garbage time touchdown and all those little quick dink and dunk routes, all of a sudden you got six targets for 35 yards, you know, all of a sudden that's, you know, six, seven, eight, nine points. Yep. It's just, that's just, they could swing literally because we play all play. It literally could be the difference in your victory points between getting one victory point in a week or getting two in a week because you simply, you have a better record.
1: Yeah, no question. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting for the build and how you want to approach it. And I think everybody kind of did theirs a little different. And um, I think it'll be very interesting in this league, once you can start trading across the leagues, to see what happens. The relegation, in my opinion, now we'll see what happens if there's teams that just say, I'm good with going to relegation, or if they everyone tries to fight against it. But the idea there, I think, is, and what will happen, uh, I would imagine for most teams, is they do not want to go to relegation. Which is going to cause most people to have some sort of more vested interest in contending. Which means that it's going to be a lot harder to just throw your draft picks around. Not saying, it can ha- not saying you can't get a deal done with your draft picks. But that it's not, hey, I'm one of the teams that's willing to just take a bunch of picks and go down to relegation and figure out how it's going to work later. Um, so I think that'll make the dynamic of the league interesting. And it'll be... Very intriguing to see with everyone, for the most part, large majority of teams trying to contend how their team shake out, how the, uh, how your strategy shakes out. And then ultimately, like when you get attrition, right, maybe at that point, you'll see some teams start to rebuild in the league like this because they're already going to relegation. And maybe at that point, they just, you know, kind of lean into it and figure, how, accumulate better assets even though you go to relegation, hope to get one of those top three to, so you can get out of it. But one thing you don't want to be in this, I can guarantee you this, is you do not want to go to relegation, period. It is not going to be a good thing in any way, shape, or form to go to relegation in this league. Just You're not rewarded to go to relegation. So, And the idea is to make everyone contend.
0: Yeah, I mean, for those, again, for those that are not in the league, if you go to relegation, the prize pool is like 10% of what the, uh, the larger prize pool is. So... And, and it's much harder because you're playing. You know, in order to get the the money, you have to be in the top three of the bottom twelve. And it, it's not a it's not a fun it's not going to be a fun thing to be in the relegation either because you know it, your team is probably not great, so you're going to be stuck down there for a while because you know your your team might not be good. Now there are ways, some easier ways to get out. If you know there's orphan teams, there's other bylaws that'll that'll sneak in that'll kick you back. But I mean. What I'm seeing so far, just in the few trades that have been made interconference wise is that, and we didn't say this either, Adam, it's a start 13.
1: Right, start right? 13. So, and start two so, tight end.
0: And start two tight end. So while, yes, you want a BAM to quarterback, you may want the BAM to your wide receiver, it is also start 13. So what we've seen already was last night, Jalen Hurts was traded for five assets plus two picks. Right. Now, none of those assets were game-changing assets, but in the best ball league, they're they're five pretty good assets plus plus a first and a second round pick yep. to try and set the market. Yep. So, you know, everybody's going to try some different strategies. Everybody's going to have some people are going to try to go you know studs with you know some backfill darts, and then you're going to have some teams that are balanced, and then you're going to have some teams that are trying to maybe even position themselves for relegation because they get you know, a good lottery pick for their first round pick next year. And maybe they can, you know, weave the needle and get out of relegation and get a top pick. So maybe get a Drake May or Caleb Williams or Marvin Harrison to really boost your team to that next level. But it's going to be a very interesting league because we're now getting to, as you prefaced at the beginning of the episode, like we're getting into redraft season and mind shifts, mindset shifts are starting to happen. Yeah, you know, folks are going to now looking at veterans, and you know, Lenny's still on the market. Zeke is still on the market. DeAndre Hopkins is still on the market. These guys, these are guys that when they land on a team, are going to change the fantasy landscape. And if they happen to land on the upside dart team that you want for your rookie guy, or maybe your dart throw, like you know, maybe you wanted Malik Davis to be the thing in Dallas. But what happens if Zeke comes back? You know, everybody's you know high on Traylon Burks so far. What happens if DeAndre Hopkins goes to Tennessee, as the odds makers suggest? Right.
1: Then what? Right. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, it'll be interesting to see too. And when that—that's that, a good transition into um, you know getting into the redraft mindset. Scott Fish is happening. Uh, you're you're not going to see a lot of your standard typical you know redraft leagues happen yet right that's not the case but what you will see is people start to gear up for them right you're gonna see the average fans start paying a lot more attention to football again and preparing themselves for fantasy drafts obviously this is a dynasty show and dynasty market but the point is as that content begins to come a lot more full circle right and that pool of people comes in and everyone's looking and focusing on winning Really in Dynasty, the only difference is after the season's over, you keep all the same players and you have to figure it out next year, right? But for that period of time where the season is starting and the season is ending, Dynasty plays the exact same way, right? It's the exact same as redraft in that the winner is the the person that wins the most games, gets themselves into the playoffs, and then in a a tournament, you're looking to win either two or three in a row, right? In most formats, depending on what league you're in. But the point is when that happens – in a way dynasty is just planning more for the future, but still trying to, to find a way to win. And the redraft mindset really is going to kick in strong. So I think at this point, Brandon, what I wanted to do is talk with you a little bit um, on this team, on other teams, just curious from a, from a lens of yourself. I know you, you manage a portfolio of your own. What, what are some things you're looking to do? Um, are there ways that you've been able to maneuver, Um, you know, against your league mates, depending on what they're wanting. Like, what are some of the moves you're looking to make and you've been making um, in some of your dynasty leagues to prep yourself to get ready for this uh, season starting in, you know, less than two months?
0: So in my portfolio approach, I've got some teams that are closer to winning. And in those teams, I have begun to move picks to try and acquire asset, you know, veteran assets that folks may or may not want. You know, guys like Miles Sanders, um, you know, wide receivers that maybe necessarily not everybody wants. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of some guys that are you know a little bit older, like a Chris Godwin, you know, Mike Evans. They're not in great spots because you know people don't want to trust Baker Mayfield. You know, people may not want to trust My- Miles Sanders because he's in Carolina with a rookie quarterback. Even a guy like Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, guys like that, especially on best ball. We don't know what they're going to end up being week in, week out, but what we do know is that they're going to be guys that literally are going to produce a couple of weeks. They're going to be startable weeks. I can get those guys for seconds and third-round picks. So if I've been in the offseason selling on some of the hype of guys like Damian Pierce, Isaiah Pacheco, and was able to get you know two seconds, or I was able to get a running back in a second, now I can start to use those extra pieces, those extra seconds and thirds, I can start to use those to build those win now contenders. Now, what I won't do is I won't completely exhaust all of my draft picks because I do want to have some liquid cap- capital in either, in the event, either A, my team completely becomes a fail contender very quickly because when you start to absorb a lot of 28, 29, 30 year olds, your, your window shrinks. <clears throat> or I want to make sure that I have enough liquid capital that if I need to lean in further and I need to go pick up guys like Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, the Deonta Foremans of the world who started producing late in the season. I want to have the liquid a- liquid assets for the people who pick them up on waivers to go and trade for them as well. Yeah, so like, sure. On my, con- on, like on my contenders, that's what I'm trying to do. On my, on my teams that are not contending, I'm waiting like a week, and then all of a sudden, as soon as rookie camp comes, I am taking everybody's hype and fever and selling. Yeah, right. Yeah. All those guys. All those cringy third round, fourth round, fifth round guys that, you know, everybody's drumming up and saying can't, you know, can't miss on Kendra Miller. Can't miss on some of these other guys, you know, that are going to become, Oh, look at that Dontavian Wicks. Look at the, look at him standing out in practice. If I can get, if I can bank on that hype and get the pick, I will do it every single time. Because one thing, one thing that Adam, you and I have talked about a lot, is that wide receiver rookie wide receivers take a long time to learn the offense to grasp the offense and to begin to produce it's very rare that you see a justin jefferson a Jabar chase you can usually identify even a garrett wilson right many times you see them you see wide receivers blossom like an odell beckham right where it takes them a few weeks or even a christian watson's a perfect example a george pickens those guys did not start much at the beginning of last year right 30 40% snap at most and then all of a sudden by the middle of the season they were left for dead you could have gotten Christian Watson probably for a mid to late second by like week 3 week 4 even same thing with George Pickens right. because they weren't they weren't in, integrated and involved in the offense but then you were able to once they started to produce you saw people selling for you know up Early seconds, then all of a sudden it was first. Yeah, when George plus. Pickens
1: when George Pickens makes that highlight one handed catch, all of a sudden you had literally that one catch gave him a boost in value.
0: Yeah, I mean you saw you saw it with Christian Watson, right? When he had that three week stretch where he went absolute banana hammocks, taking you know sixty yard slants to the house. Right. You now people were ready to tout him as you know the next big thing, the next. You know, he was validating his first round pick hope, right? So it's like you start to look at rookie camp now, and you see as preseason comes in. Some of those guys that maybe are fringe bubble guys that may or may not, may, you know, the Keontae Ingram's of the world that you know they're going to be sitting, but you want to get them, you want to move out on the rookie hype to get that liquid asset. Do that. Yeah. You do that now, especially if you're not, especially if you're not contending, because you're trying to get the points off your roster anyway. So why not go sell that player and go get a Matt Breida who will play serve as a placeholder? They might get a couple points every once in a while. He might fall in the end zone. But you got that liquid asset for the rookie, and you just keep doing over and over again, build up the value, so that way you can get closer to the top parts of those those rounds, so you can get the difference makers on your squad.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, um, well, well said as far as how to uh, orchestrate, you know, getting the assets that you want. And Honestly, I think what I will take from that and kind of transition into what um, I'm looking to do right now, because it's a lot of the stuff you said is basically similar, but what I, I, I got I to gotta hit this point, though. I'm, I'll almost never forget, right? And I think as we get into the redraft season kicking in, one, one thing I want to talk about before I get into more strategy side is where to be careful. And the first place you got to remember is since the Super Bowl is over and where we're at now, this next stretch until we get to the season – it's basically can't wait people cannot wait they start getting so excited for football but it's not here and every day that it gets closer there's more and more excitement but football's not being played so they're not you're not really getting that itch yet you know you're not getting to scratch it and the reason I say that is because then when football happens week one week two week three you know week four even those first four weeks what you're gonna see sometimes correctly but a lot of times, Uh, very much just you're putting too much emphasis on a small sample size and people will eventually make that three to four week stretch as though that's how the full season is going to continue out and when you talked about christian watson brandon it made me think about this point and making sure i stressed stressed it in a way that you can actually consume and remember and realize but it's hard for people because recency bias always exists no matter what right this this is a far time ago now oh this isn't as relevant well yes it is Take take a step back in in time and get yourself ready for this season. And let's look at an example of last year. And you talked about Christian Watson, Brandon. So Christian Watson coming into this offense with Aaron Rodgers, right? Devontae Adams leaves. And obviously, as you saw, as what we saw, um, this this team really was looking for an alpha and needed it in a bad way. But early on in the season, right, you had for the first two weeks, essentially, you know, Christian Watson didn't do anything. Um, And Romeo Dobbs didn't do much either. But then you had week three, right? When week three, Christian Watson does not play. Romeo Dobbs goes eight catches, 73 yards, touchdown. Week four, Christian Watson's playing again, but is outshined. Three targets, one catch, eight yards. The following week, one target, one yard, one reception. Those first five weeks, Christian Watson's giving you nothing. And then you had... You know, uh, Romeo Dobbs that had 73 yards, eight catches, and a touchdown. The following week, it's five catches, 47 yards, and a TD. And there is, there is at that point, where Christian Watson then misses another two weeks with being inactive. So now you have a guy who's not producing, in, in and out of the lineup, dealing with injuries. And then you have this Romeo Dobbs who people are putting into the fact of, oh, well, this guy is taking over more of that workload. He, he looks like he's better rapport with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is very... Big about his chemistry. All these things are being talked about, and at that from that point forward, like not saying Romeo Dobbs doesn't have a role. Not saying that he's not a, uh, a can be a valuable piece of a offense in NFL. But they draft Jaden Reed. They have draft a couple tight ends this year. And if you were to anoint Romeo Dobbs as the one that's walking into that, you'd be sorely mistaken for the rest of the season, where he only scores one touchdown the whole rest of the year. He also misses four weeks inactive. And he had one week over 60 yards moving forward from that point. And Christian Watson, after coming back from the injury, took a couple weeks to get going. But then he has, like you said, he exploded. Four catches, 107 yards, three touchdowns, multiple touchdown games. And as we saw towards the back half, Watson looked a lot more like the guy that people were expecting and hoping to draft. Now, that's, that's in a crystal ball. We know what we know about that situation now. But the point I'm really trying to emphasize and make here because rookies a lot of times don't they take longer to develop one people are while they understand that they want to win now and you see a Christian Watson doing nothing and getting hurt and you're and people start to hit the panic button and they want something more like Romeo Dobbs who's putting points in your lineup remember when stuff like that happens you can't put too much stock for these type of players that are they don't have a sample size in the NFL on, on just a four-week, five-week period. And I, I want to stress caution to that because I saw a lot of people paying well over what the market was for Romeo Dobbs, essentially saying he's going to be the alpha on the offense where they're casting off Christian Watson. And, and it's not that, that example. Maybe you ended up being right. Maybe uh, Romeo Dobbs becomes the alpha. But the point is you don't have enough of a sample size to make that call. And I think the fact that the NFL has been waited on so long and people are so itching for it And seeing success in a few weeks, that is something that I think people need to really be careful of. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Brandon.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I'll tell you because I did it. I bit the Romeo Dobbs hype. Uh, In a Debbie League, I traded Nick Singleton straight up for Romeo Dobbs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sucks right now. (laughs) <laughs> I, by the way, I'm. I mean, right. we've
1: we've all made some bad trades, so it's just. I'm. Right, right. It's more about you know. Whew, that's a tough price, man. I I, mean, I I know in the same boat. I would be. I'd be hating that right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're trying. You know, and, and I say that for transparency's sake because we all do it, right? We are all trying to chase. We're trying to chase at times because you don't know. You know, Romeo Dobbs with Aaron do- Rodgers. We all saw what happened when Aaron Rodgers got a connection with Devontae Adams and what it turned into. So it's like. Yeah, okay, fine. I'll pay the 2025 running back one value. I don't care. Like, I'll get rid of him. Like, I want this wide receiver now. And then look what happens. Like, you could probably buy him now as a throw-in in pretty much any deal. So yeah. that's where you just got to be careful to not look at three games, four-game sample size. You know, we joke with Mike about the you know the, the infamous Jalen Hurts six-game sample size. Like, we joke about that. But there right. is some validity to it because
1: – sure. You absolutely.
0: Know, if you look at a small sample size, I could tell you a story on just about any NFL player.
1: One way or the other, too, right? right? Yeah. One you way, do, yeah. One way or the absolutely. other. Absolutely. Right now, and, and, and
0: so you just got to be—you just to be careful with not over-leveraging yourself on that short sample. I think that's exactly what you're trying to say, right? It's yeah. Don't. And, don't. Don't piss away a bad, a large asset in order to get that unknown.
1: Right, because, for example, in this scenario, like you give away Nick Singleton in a a league like that. That's tough. But, you know, I saw multiple seconds being sent for him. Um, Definitely, like, plenty of just single-second deals. But if you think about that in a vacuum, you know, what happens there is you're, you're thinking about a draft pick that you feel like you can't use. But the reality is what you're buying is an asset that still is unproven, also doesn't have the draft capital, doesn't have the name cachet, right? This is not a name that people have been, you know, fawning over for a while so what happens really you're you're buying at this price that you think is sustainable production and maybe it happens but really if you look at a deal like that there's a lot more risk than there is reward for the price you're paying doing that and I think one of the big things I want to stress too and how I'm going to transition into what I'm doing with my teams and things I think that um, we can talk to you about the dynasty degenerates and tr- and pushing into your different leagues and how you want to do that first and foremost I think one of the biggest drivers of that is people not really looking at their teams appropriately from top to bottom. And you look and you say, all right, this team looks good. I'm happy with it. Boom, boom, boom. You're going to have guys that do not produce. You're going to have guys that get hurt. And the NFL bye weeks start in week five. And last year, those first four weeks, you had that happen. Romeo Dobbs was playing well. And then you have bye weeks and you're looking at you know missing some guys in week five and week six and seven and so on. And when the first time the bye weeks happen, people that are not really, really managing their – Roster appropriately kind of catches them off guard, and then they start thinking about bye weeks, and they're looking to buy additional players to facilitate um, some of the spots they may need to fill players in for their bye weeks. So I, I want to stress that point to make sure you're understanding that bye weeks are coming. And I think the biggest way that I can stress, and it's a good transition into what I'm doing with my teams. First and foremost, like I need to under you need, you need to understand the league, and for me, what I'm doing is also incorporating warp into that. Now I'm not going to go too deep in the weeds on that because uh, if you want a full full breakdown into warp and all that, you can go check out a series that Scott and I are working on uh, about you know towards the end of Ju- end of July it should be ready to go Dynasty Mind Warp. But what I will say is understanding the warp in my league and understanding the league is is it, is it lineup or best ball, right, Brandon? So first and foremost, is it lineup or best ball? Uh, you know what does it look like as far as the warp goes? How many are we starting, right? And then ultimately. The big thing for me is when I when I can put warp and my league together, I, now you're not going to do this and say, okay, well, last year Geno Smith was really great. So I want to get myself some Geno Smith. like that's not he was good in warp, he was good in points per game. That's not what I'm using it for. What I'm using it for is one, what should I be doing with the roster right Like what's the roster construction really look like for this team? So and, and if this is a best ball league like like the heroes and villains are, and a lot of my leagues are are best ball, What I want to do is try to backfill my depth as much as possible and make sure I have the right number of tight ends, the right number of receivers, the right number of running backs, the right number of quarterbacks. And if I'm not in line with that, how do I get myself there? And then the second thing I'm looking at is, like I talked about with the heroes and villains, and you can do this for any one of your leagues that you're in, right? Look at the warp and think about it. Where is the advantages that you see in this chart? Where are they at? And, and the big thing you have to really ask yourself is, what does that graph look like relative to market? Now, if you're in a very, very vanilla league, right? Let's say it's a 12 team start 10 standard, you know, 25, 30 man bench. <laughs> the market probably is going to look similar to the graph. And there's not some big time exploitation you can do with the market values of players and warp. But the, the, the more leagues you're in and the more different scoring settings and deeper roster, start 13, stuff like that, you can find advantages of, okay, well, maybe in a league like this, I can I can get off of some of these high-end wide receivers that uh, aren't actually giving warp relative to the running back and quarterbacks, right? And maybe I need to try to down tier from these guys that have a huge market right now, like the wide receiver market, it's hot as it's ever been. Or maybe it's heroes versus villains, and you're like, they're basically worth a quarterback. So as much as I want my quarterbacks, and that's what I'm used to doing, maybe I actually better off having a higher end wide receiver or two and like dumbing down my quarterback room to take as much advantage of the differences in the market and how warp looks. So for me, that's where I start. And then I start really getting into the weeds of what is, what does the, this team look like? What do they need? What are they wanting? Do they want picks players? What kind of a deal can I get done? But if I start there and have a strategy and a plan for how I want to attack Building my team and making sure I'm in line with roster construction. I think honestly that's that's been the biggest thing for me in the offseason is making sure I'm getting my team constructed exactly what's closest to optimal for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, well said. I mean, you're you're getting your teams ready for the season, right? You know, we're about to enter training camp and teams jump into training camp to get their teams ready for the regular season. Like they don't just, exactly. they're not just like, they're not just out. I mean, yeah, there might be some guys out there just going through the motions, but teams are trying to fine tune and tweak and bring in the best 53 men for their rosters. And it's no different when it comes to our fantasy rosters. Now. Yeah. We're not putting, we're not out there with a headset and, you know, call and plays and that kind of stuff. But what we are doing is we're trying to set our teams up for success on a fantasy level. You know, you don't want to be holding on to dead weight. You don't want to be hold. If you're, especially if you're, a team that is not contending. Like, you don't need to be holding on to those Jeff Wilsons or the Deonta Foremans, the guys that are just rental running backs. You want the guys that are going to perform year over year, or you just don't even want them on your roster because your team's not ready. You're not constructed. Because then you're – when you get out of – when you have a misconstructed roster, it just takes longer. Oh, yeah. Like, your team's – like what should be a one- to two-year rebuild. Like, if you're in a rebuild for more than three years on a squad, I mean – Thanks for the donation. Right. <laughs> that's that's the best way to put you. It's like, they, you know, Dynasty Daddy has, you know, fraudulent, but I don't even think that's even the word. Like, it's just, there should be another tier below that just says donation because you're going to be down there. Yeah. Quite some time.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, I, I think um, I, I want to get into an episode definitely down the road where it's like, you know, what to do with it. And we definitely can talk about it. We'll, we'll kind of prelude that. We can talk about that here with what to do with your team, understanding, you know, is it, uh, something I should really nuke should I keep certain players and I think warp also can tell you that right let's say for example let's say you have a t- uh a, a warped graph that's telling you that you know the top 12 assets at quarterback not only are worth like what market says but they're even a little bit higher like it's a six point per passing touchdown there's some rushing upside for quarterbacks there's um you know maybe a little bit of points per completion in there stuff like that and you'll see the graph for quarterbacks get even higher than um, you'll, a typical line you'll see versus the wide receiver and running back, like that's going to be a league. Okay. Maybe I don't here while I'm rebuilding, I actually want to get off of a young top 12 quarterback. Like if you have a Trevor Lawrence, like maybe I don't want to actually sell off of there completely to where I have to c- totally rebuild my quarterback room from top to bottom. Maybe that's something you want to keep um, when you're rebuilding like that. So, and, and the reason I bring that up is you're talking about here, you know, if you're going to have to rebuild for three years. I mean, that's a long time to just con- simply take L's and donate. Now, if I am forced to, and if this is absolutely the best value for my team, I will do it. But typically, I want to have a timeline that's not three years, right? I'm happy to rebuild for a year. I'm happy to really kind of nuke it to the ground for two. But after that, you've either done some things incorrectly or, you know, you, you just have missed on on really a lot of the things you're trying to do as far as your draft. You, maybe you're using too many draft picks to actually get players. You're missing on them. Something has gone wrong for you if you're having to go into three years of a, of a rebuild. Um, but I think at that point, when you can assess where your team's at, um, you know where what warps telling you and what your roster construction is now. When I go to look to make moves, right? Okay, so in this case, Brandon, let's talk about it from the rebuild side. What is a player? And, and let's let's use um, let's use the heroes versus villains for an example. All right, so let's. Not, not, not the relegation because no one wants to rebuild and go to relegation, right? But let's let's say that warp graph looked like that in a regular twelve team league, and you were in the rebuild. We can use it from all lenses here. So if you're rebuilding, and you see that type of a warp graph, Brandon, what what are some players? Are are, are there? I'm are, obviously everybody can go at a cost, but is there something you're looking at and you're saying to yourself, I, I want to sell these because of market, and I don't want to sell these because of market, or um, as there are certain players and, you know, picks and, and like, you know, y- youth guys that you don't want to just let go at standard market, like h- how would that look for you? And how would you assess that here? Um, is it any different for you in a normal league? Um,
0: looking at this league, I think what I want to try to be, what I want to try to avoid are guys like George Pickens, those types where they're not necessarily volume hogs, but they are going to produce. Right, because in in the heroes versus villains format we talked about earlier, targets matter. Every target matters. Sure, it's not just every catch. It's not just every receiving yard. Every target matters, and so you really want to be in those guys that are hyper targeted. If George Pickens isn't getting, you know, a lion's share of the targets, but yet he's valued like he's you know potentially the next big <laughs> Pittsburgh wide receiver, well, why not try to move him?
1: Ladies and gentlemen. Can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Underdog,
0: that's right. Destination Devi is now partnered with Underdog. An incredible opportunity and you know my affinity. For best ball how about getting in those contests and taking down some of these big tournaments getting that best ball money and right now if you sign up with promo code 4d you'll get a hundred percent deposit match up to the first hundred dollars and the best part is destination debbie discord will be free to you for a year you will get access to all the strategy that we will be talking about as far as taking down some of these tournaments and the best ball tools that will come with it what a perfect marriage destination 4 40 chess underdog best ball say less and sign me up now back to the show You know, another type of wide receiver that maybe I'm looking at are guys that have already previously popped. You know, maybe there's a guy like a Christian Watson. I know I have Christian Watson on my team, but, you know, he has a new quarterback. There's a whole new situation that we're talking about here. You know, is Jordan Love going to throw 30, 35 times a game? Is he going to be able to complete at the same percentage that Aaron Rodgers was completing at, you know? The Packers offense is a complete unknown. Scott Connor and I had this conversation in the Heisman voice chat just yesterday. You know, what does that Packers offense look like? Is it going to be one that is more pass happy or is it just going to be one that they turn around and hand the ball off to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon a lot? Right. So those are the kind of guys that I'm kind of looking to maybe move off of, but I'm also trying to find guys that secretly could be on efficient offenses that are going to get a lot of targets. Like a guy that I just picked up today. I, I know it was on off the line last week when Laquan James jumped on, uh, to talk about the NFC West preview, you know, guy Greg Dorch. We don't know what the Arizona Cardinals offense is going to be. You know, there's no Deandre Hopkins, probably no Zach Ertz to at least start the season. No Kyler Murray, potentially marquise brown that's hollywood's nice but we've had, we know hollywood's had a history of injuries zach ertz has been is hurt you know trey mcbride is still in year two is he going to command t- you know the lion's share targets probably not so who does it turn to is it michael wilson is it greg dorch these are the kind of guys that on the fringe like they're not sexy names you know greg Dortch is not going to be you know hey i need to go get that guy yeah but he's the type of cheap asset that i could get thrown into a deal if I trade off, say a George Pickens, hey, give me, give me Greg Dorch and a late first.
1: Yeah, right. You you can get nobody's.
0: Just toss them in. Who cares?
1: Right. You, you you're trying to add uh, cheap guys like that, where you know someone may bet, not bat an eye at losing a player like that, but if you're doing that in a process of two for ones like this, right, where you're getting out of Pickens close to what market value is, and then you're adding that in a league like this where it's best ball. And you do, you see this graph and it's saying, well, you know, once you get to basically, you know, wide receiver 24 um, and beyond, like it's way above from that point, 24 to 36 to 48, that wide receiver of that type of stature, like you're talking about, which Greg Dorch absolutely can be a top 40 receiver in a week in an offense like that. He could absolutely be a top 31 uh, some of these weeks. We've seen it before from him. So getting that thrown into a deal helps you backfill one, Your roster. Um, But two, like now all of a sudden, maybe there's a scenario where Greg Dorch off of two weeks has flippability for another draft pick, or you can utilize him in in another deal coming up to someone that maybe is dealing with an injured receiver, right? So now you can go buy low on, you know, a younger asset that has showed promise early but got hurt in the season, right? Like you do enough of those deals and you start to have extra type of players to play with. So I do, I definitely like that one getting. Um, kind of like what some people value as trash is now your treasure. So I, I do like that one a lot. I think too, in this league, what, what I see Brandon is, you know, how different you're really looking at, you know, when I, when I say in this warp graph, the top six, right? What I mean by that is top six quarterbacks, running backs and wide receivers, as far as how they matter, you know, that's, you're looking at all above one win over replacement player. And you know, obviously all the way to 12 there, still quite close to that, like 0.8 you're looking at. So what I'm really seeing here is those assets there, as far as difference makers, unless they're old, like I don't really wanna get off of those because of how much they, they could mean to me down the line. Now the problem is you can't keep too many of those or you're not gonna effectively rebuild, right? They're gonna help score points and not allow you to get closer to the bottom. But what I don't wanna do if I'm gonna lean into a rebuild is nuke it to the ground to where I now am going to come out of this rebuild and very likely not be able to get back into at least a, po- a portion of those hammers in this league, which even in best ball we're seeing matter, right? So look, that's one of the things I look at. So maybe I don't want to actually get off of Jamar Chase. As as hard as that would be in a rebuild, to not get off of a Jamar Chase. Like that might be something I'm, I'm if someone's going to, get Jamar Chase from me, they got to pay well over market to make it worth my while so that I can get back into that conversation later, right? Not saying I won't trade them, but you're going to have to really overpay from what you probably are used to in the market. Whereas, you know, certain wide receivers that are older, you know, let's say like, I got a Stephon Diggs on my rebuild. Like I got news for you. You don't have time to sit around and wait for, you know, someone to pay up out the nose if it's not happening. Like you need to move off of Stephon Diggs because God forbid if he got hurt, now you're holding that bag, right? So it just kind of depends on the player for the rebuild side there. If I was contending, I, I think the, the big thing that you can actually do, Brandon, is also uh, why I like the what you talked about with Pickens. I think the crazy part about that is that's a trade, like that first, and throw in Greg Dorch. Like that's a move I'm making on a contender as well because <laughs> I, I now get Greg Dorch, which – don't get it twisted. I don't think Greg Dorch is going to be the same as George Pickens in, you know, points per game and best ball spike weeks and consistent weeks. I don't foresee that, but I get Greg Dorch on my team, which helps me round out my receiver room, which on in a league like this, I want 12, 13 receivers in a league like this, at least. Right. So now I get that. And now I have a first to play with in my bag, in my arsenal that I can go see. All right. What can this buy me? What can I attach to this first now as well? To buy into a range north of George Pickens, right? Like that—that's the type of thing I think you can do on both sides. If—if someone will throw in something like that, you know, not a sexy thing, but a Greg Dortch type of a player. So I I do think too on the contender, um, if it's a league that's throwing around picks, like I would be willing to acquire them at the right price. And for a guy like Pickens, the reality is he's got a very good dynasty market, but we don't know really how much points per game he's going to be. I mean, I have him in this league. Uh, for for 2.6% of my budget, I'm happily taking him, right? But for actionable advice, if I'm able to get off of him, for even if it's not quite all that, right? Like if I'm able to get a teardown of two true solid players, maybe a little north of Greg Dortch if it's going to be a two-for-one there. But point is, if I can do those type of moves, even on a contender, I'm willing to do it. So it kind of just really depends on the player, the asset you're looking at, and what your league mates are going to value. I think sometimes you have to only only way you can know is really start sending out some offers and seeing what type of counters you get back and what type of feedback you get.
0: I mean, you can also go the other way too. You know, we didn't talk about this, but like what if you go what if you take your your first or take, you know, let's say you absorbed the first earlier. What if you take that pickens and, and that first and go up instead of going down?
1: Sure. Oh, you you, you could absolutely right? do that. Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? Because you can sell somebody especially who's trying to contend. Maybe they have a DK back. Maybe they have a DK cap, or maybe they have something a little bit higher like a, I don't know. I don't know if you can get Garrett Wilson. That, that would be maybe a stretch, but maybe a Jalen Waddle or a Chris Olave, right? With that first round pick, that late first round pick that you know is not lottery and George Pickens. Like, hey, you're trying to tear down off a Chris Olave or Jalen Waddle. You're trying to get out of those guys. Can you trade you want to take this George Pickens because you believe that George Pickens could be you know the next solid wide receiver too yeah yeah it's late first here you go I'll sell you on that hope
1: and, and you
0: don't always have to go one way you can go the other way
1: yeah for sure and I think um to that point right you can go up now in best ball typically in a league like this I wouldn't like to do that too often because you only have that one first to send in. Right now, if I would do it, if it, the deal made sense, basically if I can get from Pickens and a first and I'm getting into that truly elite receiver range, like I think there's a very, very real shot. Um, and, and shout out to Ray and the Holy Trinity, right? If, if, if it all looks good in those three categories and there's a very, very realistic chance this player playing a full season could be a top five, top six receiver. That's a deal worth shooting your shot on. Yes, absolutely. I think but though, to the point of Pickens, I think it's a good one. And the last point I kind of want to make uh, to get out of here that applies to both roster construction and what we're talking about right now, Brandon. So George Pickens is not quite to the level some of the other guys I'm going to talk about here are. But this archetype, and it can happen for all positions, uh, quarterback not necessarily as much, right? But what I mean is, okay, George Pickens, last year, he it took him a while before he actually earned the role. Now, now George Pickens has a role enough to where like, listen, if he's a wide receiver four or five on my team or, or lower, cool. Like, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll live with him not being an alpha target getter. Now, granted, I'm happily shopping him if I can go up or tear him down, if his dynasty value makes sense. But when you think about your roster construction for these teams, and I think something that I've had to ask myself an honest question about, and I think you should be too, dynasty degenerates, and thinking, all right, You're looking at your roster construction. You're trying to keep yourself in a certain range, roughly on, you know, quarterbacks, receivers, uh, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, and tight ends, right? You're trying to make sure you're, like, you, you don't have to do it super rigid. Like, for your own self, you can have your own roster construction. Like, how does it look? How many of these players do I need to have? It doesn't have to be specifically what the warp tool says. But the point is, you should try to stick in a range and have an idea of how you want that to look. And you can obviously maneuver players and you can come in and out of that roster construction. But I think where you have to ask yourself and the question I've been asking myself, I think everyone should. So let's say your number is eight or nine at the running back position, right? Okay. One, there, there's one thing. You, you don't necessarily have to have optimal roster construction there by week one. For example, you don't have to necessarily uh, expose yourself to eight guys in week one that have, like, could get injured in the next however many weeks and seriously put holes in your team, right? And your values. So you may, maybe you go light a little bit, but the one thing, regardless of whether you do that, the biggest point is how many of those eight that you have, let's say, are Roshan Johnson types, Kendra Miller types, right? If you have, you think you're in line with the roster construction, but right now in July, you're, you're banking on a Kendra Miller, a Roshan Johnson, a Tajay Spears, these type of players, there's a very real scenario you are sadly mistaken for how they are going to perform and the touches they're going to get for the first month or two of the season. Right. And the same can go for wide receivers in this range, you know? Um, So my point here with this is because the redraft mindset is already starting to come in. It's here for a lot of people. I I think that's one thing that I have done and I haven't necessarily always made the trades that I want to, but I, I have formed on all my portfolio, How many of these teams that I have the roster construction close to what I want, but really the assets don't equate enough to real difference makers, not even difference makers, but real assets and points per game, like their snap share, their touch count, how many opportunities they're going to have realistically does not meet really the minimum threshold that I need to have for that group. So if that's the case, can I currently – Like if if I'm, for example, and that, let's say it's eight running backs. Okay. I have a a solid group, but I have one Kendra Miller share. I'm fine. Or one Roshan Johnson share. Cool. One Tajay. Fine. But if you see yourself having two or three of those types, that's a league where I'm actively looking to trade at least one, if not two of those guys. Right. Because I, they could end up being fine end of the year. They could all end up being great running backs by the second half of the season. Some of them may be league winners. I, I can't predict that for sure. But what you don't want to have is you think you have eight, but really now you only have five because those guys aren't even getting that much touches week one. Then you do get hit with an early injury. That's how, truthfully, you get really stuck chasing, circling back to that whole Romeo Dobbs thing, is when you are relying, you think you're going to rely on people that are not going to give you points early in the year. That's how you can get yourself in some big trouble.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Especially if they don't fire early, right? Because if you don't fire early, then you start to to panic. I mean, we've seen it just about every year, right? Brees Hall didn't start out strong last year. You know, Jonathan Taylor in twenty twenty. You know, guy guys still. You know, they just, they they start. You know, the first couple of games they start slow, and everybody panics. every like, what happens if Bijan Robinson starts out slow, week one, week two? People are going to panic, like. You just don't. You want to have as many stable assets as you possibly can going into the season. Those difference makers, like you want them to be right out the shoot. You want to have everybody firing on all cylinders. But like you said, if you have a bunch of, if you have a bunch of guys like Kendra Miller, Alvin Kamara might not be suspended now for the full year. Now what happens?
1: Right. Yeah, and that
0: might only only get a couple games. Yet people were drafting Kendra Miller at the back half of the first round.
1: Right? Yeah. So now exactly. You, you're, right.
0: Are you, are you going to, you're not going to cut bait on your 110 pick that you just made three and a half months ago? <clears throat> right. You're not going to go sell them for any third.
1: Exactly. And that's where, and that's where I think too, you know, the same thing goes for receivers, whether that's, and a lot of times this will happen for a team that either is too youth centric focused or maybe just didn't realize um, that the assets that you picked up and what it looks like. But the same can be true if you're wide receiver room, especially, right? If you're relying on four, ty- four of your, heavy investment-wide receivers are JSN, Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnson, and Jonathan Mingo. L- listen, I'm not telling you they're not good dynasty assets, but you you need to make sure um, that your roster construction is not baking in, utilizing too many of these rookies who are going to probably not have solid footing, especially in the first year, uh, first half of the season and possibly the whole first year, right? There's a very realistic possibility none of those guys that are rookies that I just mentioned on the running back position or the receiver position are difference makers uh, for you. So rostering some of them is fine, but just I think you should really take a look at your, your, uh, your rooms. And this even goes for tight end. You don't want to have too many of the rookie ones because that target share, that what they're earning points per game may be very different than what you're expecting right now in July. So I think that's one thing I think that everyone should think about, Look at tightening that up if possible. You don't have to like. – I'm not telling you to get rid of all your rookies. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying keep it – if you're going to look at roster construction and how you have your team formed, you don't want to overdo it with how many you're relying on at a single position to where now you have a weakness at that spot, especially in a best ball league. I think that's another point that I wanted to make. But, Brandon, I, I really appreciate you hopping on, man. I think this was a good one. Um, Dynasty Genesis, everyone should be really getting your minds wrapped around and thinking, you know, we're getting into the redraft mindset, man. Let me take a look at my team, look at, you know, a lot of the different things that we've talked about here on this feed at Destination Debbie, right? So many different good content creators out here giving you actionable advice. So make sure you're thinking about all those things. And how do you actually apply it to your league? How is there any way that you can tighten this up a little more to get ready for the season so that your team has the best chance to win early on and you can continue to make moves from there. But Brandon, any, anything you got before we get out of here, buddy?
0: Uh, just Subscribe. There's two new podcasts. Jay Rich is out with episode one, straight to the bank. Kyle Pitts it was a really good episode. Ray, great has episode, his own solo pod out. Ray has his own solo pod, untitled episode two is out uh, tomorrow, so you definitely want to make sure that you're subscribed to that, uh, you know. And then also just make sure you're subscribed to the newsletter, hiiv.com. And go. then also, and then also, just you know, reach out to the content creators on social media. You know, we love to create content. A lot of these guys love to create content, but they also like to answer questions about their content. Uh, Adam and Mike are no secret; they're not hard to find. Guys like JB, Chase, Cody, Gene, Ike, Ray, Jay, Rich, Scott. Like they all, they all want to you know hear feedback and how they can get better, but also answer questions to make you smarter Dynasty you no know, players. That's and even redraft. Like we want you guys to succeed. That's the DD mindset. That's kind of the DD goal. So make sure you're tapped into that stuff. Make sure you're subscribed. Yeah, that's all. That's all I got. But thanks for the opportunity. Uh, hopefully, Mike is back in the seat because these are big shoes to fill.
1: Yeah, man, absolutely. He'll be back. He'll be back from vacation next week. We appreciate you hopping on, Brandon. Uh, definitely make sure you go and subscribing um, to the newsletter. Uh, make sure you're tapping into all the shows on this feed. Because we do have some really good stuff, um, and the season's coming around. And just remember when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess.